Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but here comes a pizza. See it? (laughs) This is our fucking city. And nobody's going to dictate our city. Stay strong. Welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. Peter's here. Tyler's here. Jake's here for a, a positive Red Sox podcast. The most positive Red Sox podcast that you're going to find on the internet uh, in December 2022. Because you know what? I hear you. Everyone that has tweeted me, reached out, expressed their feelings, their thoughts on the fact that I, me, Jared, one of the biggest Red Sox fans ever to walk this planet. I'm too negative. I even got compared to Dan Shaughnessy. Dan Shaughnessy, who hates the Red Sox, hates the owners, hates the players. He, he, he hates everyone that, that has ever worn a Red Sox uniform, uh, except for, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that there are any exceptions to that. I was going to say, except for Carl Everett. I tried to think of like someone that might be like a bad person. But then I remember that Carl Everett is actually the player who gave him the nickname uh, Curly-Haired Boyfriend. So he may hate Carl Everett the most out of anyone. So uh, I just, you know, I'm going to keep it super positive on this episode because, listen, a lot of bad things have been happening in, in Red Sox land recently. Xander Bogart's going to the San Diego Padres today. Wait, what? 
Yeah. Holy shit. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Were we not going to talk about that? 11 years, baby. 11 years. 280 fucking million dollars. Xander Bogarts, you are a San Diego Padre, baby. Are you oh, trying yeah. to make people cry? No, dude. This, this is the worst. Dude, put a smile on. This is the worst start positive. ever. This is the Be worst positive, start ever. dude. Be positive. Yeah, Xander Bogart's last home this. run with the Red Sox was a grand slam. People forget that. It was a grand slam. It was raining out. He hit it into the raindrops. So I, here's the thing. I feel like uh, because it, it isn't just people saying that I'm negative. Some people are saying, get off Heim's dick. You won't call out Heim. You're, you fucking wear, what is it, rose-colored glasses? Is that the, the expression? People say I'm too positive, I'm a homer, and then people say I'm too negative. For me, I just am who I am. I tweet how I feel. When things are bad, I'm, maybe I'm a little over-the-top miserable. When things are great, I'm insufferable in terms of how happy I am and excited for my baseball team. I'm never going to change. I've been the same dude the entire time. I've lived half of my adult, not even my adult, I've lived half of my actual life on the internet as a Red Sox personality. Started when I was 16, now I'm 33. So more of my life, my time on earth, I have been a public forward-facing figure on the internet as a Red Sox personality. I have never changed. The only thing I've actually changed is that I used to not swear because I used to want to work for the Red Sox. And then 2013 happened and I gave up and I started swearing. That is the biggest change that I've made in my Red Sox uh, personality uh, career is that I, now I say, fuck. No, I say, I, you, you, you take steroids. You, you I don't 40, fucking you take 40, steroids. You were 40 pounds. You Dude, 40 I don't take steroids. Jake, do I take steroids? Anymore? I've never seen it. He's never seen it. I've never Doesn't taken steroids. It hasn't happened. I haven't well, taken steroids. I haven't taken steroids in ten years. What? Ooh, you're forty pounds when you started. I was 113 pounds when I you started. You could be blown away with the wind. Yes, strong gust. You get caught in a wind tunnel and you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, well, you may yeah, as well be that, in San Diego listen, with Xander. I'll take a test any day. I'll take a test any day. I'm not on steroids, but I digress. Now you're trying to distract the people from what the real issue is. And that is, I'm not negative. I mean, I am a homer. I'm not going to say I'm not, I'm not a homer. I, yeah, I am a homer. I want the Red Sox to win. I don't know. I, I feel like there's different variants of, of homerism. There's, there are the homers, the ones that root for the Red Sox that think the Red Sox can do no wrong no matter what happens. We're not going to name any names, but we, we all know some certain individuals on Twitter who maybe fit that bill. Uh, and then there's the homers like me who, yes, I want the Red Sox to win. But if I'm unhappy with something, I'm going to vocalize that because I'm not saying that I have singularly, I don't have the power to create change, clearly, because I wanted Xander Bogarts here and he's not here. I wanted the Red Sox to get a deal done in spring training. They didn't get a deal done in spring training. I wanted them to make sure in in free agency that he didn't sign elsewhere and he signed elsewhere. I alone don't have the power to fucking do anything, which is another crazy thing because people are tweeting me being like, bro, you, you need to fucking speak up. Because if you speak up, that's when the Red Sox take action. That's simply not true. It's just not, it's not true. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely fall into the category of I am a homer. 
but I could be negative because who I I can't say who wouldn't be. There's plenty. There's I, I plenty of reds. And you know what I've noticed? It's it's the younger fans. It's the younger fans that are like 20 and under, like teenage Red Sox fans are like, let Heim cook, dude. You gotta let Heim cook. It's like, all right. Uh, it's it's the people that think that like being negative means that you're like a fair weather fan yeah. or you're like a, you're not a real fan if you have things to speak out against the team. Think you always have to fall in line with the team and the management. That's just not how being a fan works. No. Like you're allowed to be negative. You're allowed to see things for what they are. So like it, there's being a homer and then there's being a rational homer. It, and then the other end of it, it's like, all right, if there's not a trail of evidence right now of things to feel negative about. That's the whole other part of the conversation. We're watching reports come out on Xander Bogarts the last week about spring training and those negotiations. You know, the guy, the main prospect who just got back from Rookie Betts, Jeter Downs, just got DFA'd today. Like, there is plenty of things to criticize. It's just so many people want to live on one extreme or the other. It's usually somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Like, like you can be a homer who's who's like always rose-colored glasses, always positive, but you can also be a homer who's like negative. Who's always looking for a reason to criticize, always seeing things in that way. And those people definitely exist. Uh, but, you know, I, I think finding <laughs> fison, finding reasonable, reasonable takes. Is this, where you want this, is a, this is a real tweet that I got today. I know what this tweet is. Do you? Uh, have we mentioned this person on the podcast before? Uh, so not from him. I've, I've officially, I've officially moved on. I, I will not be responding to him ever again. Cause he okay, just, continue. I think, I think he's, that's a bit. It has to be a bit like, <laughs> all right, I, you can't, I'll be you real. can't be that positive. Like he, like he comes off as like someone that's a fan of a different team and is playing a character of the overly positive. Everything is awesome. Red Sox fan. Like there's no way that this individual is real life. You can't be. Ooh. What scares me is like, I, I don't know if he thinks people aren't paying attention, but this person got exposed like multiple times on Twitter in like the last three or four days for like crapping on players like Kenley Jansen that weren't on the Red Sox, like shitting all over them in support of Heim a year ago <laughs> when he didn't pay him. And then yeah. he comes here and then he's like, all you guys like watch how good Kenley Jansen. And then he's like, well, my opinion changed on that. It's like, dude, yeah, come no, on. I, come I'm on. done. I, f- I fell for it. I fell for it too many times. Uh, that, that's the end. Uh, that's the end of any interactions w- with that individual, just because I don't believe that it's real life. Uh, this was a real tweet that I got today. Not from that person. This is from Jack. And he said, you've become a slave to retweet slash engagement game, whether you're conscious of it or not. Being patient slash optimistic about the socks doesn't sell. So constant complaining is a more fruitful approach for your gig. That's the deal, in my opinion. So I said in response, that's the dumbest tweet ever. <laughs> I said, yep. yeah, your, your job is to talk about the Red Sox. So don't tweet when bad things happen. Just be patient and only tweet when good things happen. That's definitely how the job works. So I don't understand. A lot, like, famously, a lot of good things happening, too. So like yeah, yeah. There's pl- like I'm just only picking the negative things. There's plenty of good things to be tweeting about. So I, I just don't understand how. Like, admittedly, yeah. Like that is part of the job is to get people to interact with you. But nothing that I tweet is inauthentic. Like it's not phony. The only time that like it, it'll be an open bit. Like if I'm 
being a dickhead about Yankee stuff. That's different. When I tweet about the Red Sox, you're getting my honest feelings about how I feel about the team. Nothing is contrived. Nothing. Like I, at no point am I saying things for likes and engage. I don't give a fuck. If I like something, I'm going to tweet about how I like it. And if I'm pissed about something and I don't like it, that's how I'm going to tweet about it. So yeah, that's wild. That is absolutely insane to be like, yeah, yeah, you're just, you're doing it for the likes and retweet. That's why anyone is tweeting. Anyone is, is right. tweeting I, I for, for engagement. That. Like that's the whole fucking point. But to take it to that next level, no, like nothing is contrived. Like I'm not, I'm not doing anything for a fucking shock jock reaction. If I'm actually pissed, you think that I'm not actually pissed that Xander Bogarts isn't on the Red Sox anymore? You think that's like a wacky bit that I'm doing? No. Uh, the four cigarettes, I'm trying to make it light. Like I can't, I'm not going to go on camera and just start crying at, like real tears. I am mad. I am sad and frustrated. I'll make it light, but I am actually frustrated about that and not happy about it. And then the Jeter Downs thing. So if you were in the, uh, the, uh, the Jerry Scoop shop, you found out about I'm sorry, Pete. Do you want to be in the scoop yeah, shop? What the what the fuck? Dude, you yeah, fucking I mean, I, said you said two episodes ago you didn't want to be in the scoop shop. This is true. You said if yes. you were in it, you would have muted it. Correct. But I would at least have the option to visit it and eat there occasionally. Doesn't mean I want to be barred for right, life from Jerry Scoop say, Shop. Say I want to be in Jerry Scoop Shop. I would like to occasionally visit Jerry Scoop Shop. That's not good. And enough. if do you know, Pete, do you know how many fucking Red Sox fans would kill to be in Jerry Scoop shop? You're like, I'd check it out. I'd check it out. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. It feels like you're throwing in throwing in my face that I'm not I'm not allowed in Jerry Scoop shop. No, no, no. I was literally about to add you. Like if I said, but I I just conversation by by saying you started this conversation by saying if you want to be in the Scoop shop. shop, shop." (laughs) Well, I'm I'm talking to the listeners because obviously the listeners are not in the Scoop shop. Yeah. You know what? What? No, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang with the listeners. I'm gonna be a man of the people. I'm All gonna, right, fine. I'm gonna yeah, hang, that's fine. I'm gonna hang the out people outside Jerry Scoop Shop with the listeners, saying, "Hey, wouldn't it be nice to be in there? There would They're be not nice. letting us in, not mm-hmm. letting us in, but would be nice to be in there." Mm-hmm. Instead, I, think... I gotta find out about Jeter Downs when I log on <laughs> to my goddamn computer. No, no, no. You you found you out about Jeter talk. Downs when you fucking logged on to this podcast. That's what I'm saying. When I log onto my computer to get on this podcast, and you guys are talking about G- <laughs> Jeter Downs getting DFA'd. Yeah. <laughs> Big breaking news for me. Yeah. So you might be this the last Red Sox wh- fan to get that. Absolutely. And I was engaging in the Mookie Betts trade discussion like with Coley on Twitter today. I just didn't know where it came from. I was like, ooh, we're talking about this again? I don't understand why, but I'm getting in the weeds. I would have I would have automatically put you in the scoop shop if I didn't think that it would be an inconvenience to you. Like I can see you looking at your phone being like, oh God. Oh, more text about the fucking Red Sox. Oh, the Red Wings are playing the Senators tonight. And I gotta read about Jeter Downs. Question is is Pat is Pat L in Jerry's scoop shop? No. Okay. I don't think he would care either. No, he definitely wouldn't. And I would be pissed if he was in there. It was like, you don't think that do you think that Pat L wants to be spammed with Jerry's scoop shop updates? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And, I, and I, I didn't. Out. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put you in a position to where you were the only one that's not in the scoop shop. All right. As much as I want to hang out outside with the listeners. I don't want to con- like constantly be on this podcast and you being like, as we discussed in Jerry's scoop <laughs> shop, <laughs> that sounds very bad for me. 
It does. I mean, it's so, I, I gave you the option. I, I gave you the invite and you said, I want to be outside with the people. Now you're walking it back already. No, so it's yeah, fu- yeah. Pete Blackburn. Yeah, fuck, fuck the, the fans. <laughs> fuck, fuck the, the fans. People. <laughs> yeah. Fuck the people. Let me come and go as I please. Give I mean, me, you have to engage key. like it's it's a membership yeah, that can like, be revoked. Like if you don't like the, this is a very exclusive club where when I put a scoop in there, we discuss it. So if you're just okay. watching, we're going to be like, what's up with this fucking weirdo that's jerking off in the corner? <laughs> yeah, I won't be doing that. Famously, not not really in my bag of tricks, public masturbation inside of eating <laughs> establishments. Um, but I would I would like to be able to wander into Jerry's Scoop Shop every once in a while and and have some conversations. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll, cons- we'll take a vote. We'll take a vote tonight. What? Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Everything so, runs through the council in there. Right. Yeah. This is a democracy, dude. I don't have the ability to just add and subtract people. It is a full blown democracy, uh, how our forefathers intended. So, I mean, right now, like I said, Scoop Shop is just me, uh, Coley, Jake, and Tyler. So it sounds like we could get a majority ruling right now. Yeah, but I think we need to take some time to think on it before we put it to a vote. I think we're going to have a discussion privately. We're going to have a private discussion. Um, pros and cons. Yes. That's always what you want to hear is when you've got three fourths of the council and they say <laughs> we would like to discuss this in private. Yeah. It's out of respect for Coley. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. That's a good point. Thank you, Tom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll discuss it and uh, we'll let you know. If you're if you're not I mean if you're not Coley adding has a, to the scoop shop, you want to talk to him. <laughs> yeah, all right. Maybe, cool. I'll I'll ask I'll ask Coley, but we'll we'll discuss Get him it. on the horn. I feel like if I call poor Coley right now, like we're 16 minutes into this podcast, if I call him, it's not going to be like a hey, you know, <laughs> should Pete be in? All right, thanks. Talk to you later. Like he's just going to fucking sit on his goddamn phone for the next two hours. Uh, and I don't want to do that to him if because he's he's in the Pat's intervention group text and he knew about this yeah, podcast. Yeah, when did that happen? What? Because he wasn't always in there. Like no, he was right? Yeah, I yeah, because I, I, I got a yeah. t- I got a text message from an unknown number from the Pat's intervention group chat, and I was like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> By process of deduction, I figured out that it was Coley, but it was confusing. Yeah, very confusing process. It was a confusing process. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, if you were in the scoop shop, then you would have known that it was cold. I didn't have a choice. Until you did not have a choice. <laughs> Suck on it. All that to say that if you were in Jerry's scoop shop, then you knew that Jeter Downs was getting designated for assignment um, before the public knew. And Tyler, you were one of the privileged members of Jerry's scoop shop. Uh, what was your first reaction when, when you read that? I think I texted you, this is going to go over well. Uh, mm-hmm. I knew it was bad. Immediately knew it was bad. You knew where the narrative was going to go. And listen, we've all known, I think, anyone who's followed Jeter Downs' career for the past two years. He's been horrendous. Like that, That's just the reality of the situation. Horrendous. Defensively, <laughs> he made strides. Like This is what's so, like, that pisses me off so much about Jeter Downs is when he came here, it was like, oh, the hit tool? You never have to worry. At the very least, he's going to get out of bed and hit 280 for you. The dude became a great shortstop. Like, he was supposed to be a second baseman and became a great shortstop. Mm-hmm. He just never hit a lick. Dude hit 150, or what did he hit in AAA? 197 this year. Last year, wasn't any better. He hit 191. And then in the Puerto Rican League this winter, he was hitting 146 and they sent him home. That's crazy. He said, we're good. 
we don't want you here anymore. Yeah. That's why so, it drives me crazy when people are talking about like Marcelo Meyer, who like hopefully becomes a very good player. But it's extremely hard to project where where guys are going to end up, especially in baseball. Like, I don't know. You guys are closer in on baseball than me, but like it feels like baseball a lot of the time. Guys just fucking like forget how to play. I Not to throw shade at a couple of guys that I really like. Um but even just looking at like when we're talking about these contracts for guys like Carlos Correa and uh, Xander Bogarts getting 11, 13 years, um, Aaron Judge, another guy. But you look at guys like Cody Bellinger and Christian Yelich, they won MVPs and then snap your finger and they're no longer MVP caliber players and they're still in the prime years of their career. How in the fuck? Are you going to forecast a player's productivity a decade over a decade from now when they're not in prime years of their career? You can't do it, but that's a different discussion. We talked about that on Baseball's Dead about how, you know, teams are doing the the longer contracts to be able to give a lower average annual value to be able to not manipulate the the luxury tax, but it is smart. It is smart to be able to do that like if you don't want to do the um, you know, when 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 Bauer was saying how, you know, these shorter contracts for higher AAV, like that's the future. And then Max Scherzer got one and Justin Verlander just got one. Um, stuff like that. It's like, yeah, you could do that if you really want the player and you just want to absolutely smoke the average annual values that they, they pick you instead of someone else for a longer term deal. Go nuts. But yeah, I... I I know that the Jeter Downs DFA, the second I saw it, was going to create a conversation about the Mookie Betts trade. That was inevitable. Whether you wanted to participate in it or not, you knew that it was coming. And I think a lot of great points were made. And uh, Section 10 alumni, Michael Hurley, who is uh, not known for his baseball takes. He's a football guy, but he, he's got Red Sox takes as well. I think he had a great tweet. I'd like to share it with you guys. Um, there's a lot of different angles that we can tackle in terms of the, the Jeter Downs DFA and the, the Mookie Betts, whatever. But he says, Michael Hurley on Twitter. Michael F. Hurley on Twitter. Friend of the program. We, did, we gotta get, Was he on the Popsicle episode, Pete? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was him. That was early. Okay. So we need to do, we need to bring him back for another popsicle episode. Uh, for, for anyone that doesn't know, Pete just told this story recently. Yeah. But like, there was a story about Terry Francona, like passing out in bed after eating, like, how many popsicles was it, Pete? I want to say it was like 24. over 100, right? No, I think I want to say it was like 24 or something. 24 popsicles. I mean, that's a lot. It was like an outrageous amount of pop, like multiple boxes. Yeah. So we tried to do a whole podcast eating however many popsicles it was that we're telling Frank on it. I did not make it very far. It was difficult. It was difficult. It's hard. It's hard to eat that many popsicles. Uh, but Michael Hurley says, important to remember that the Red Sox couldn't even maximize the return of Mookie Betts because they stuck David Price and half of his $96 million contract into the trade. And they only overpaid Price because they had refused to pay Lester. Mistakes compounding mistakes. So I, I think I, I tweeted something that was kind of like that, but not to the point of connecting. Why did they have to trade price and all his money in the first place? Oh, because they didn't, tr- they didn't fucking sign John Lester. So they had to make up for that by signing David price. And then you get stuck with David price and you have to trade Mookie. So I, what did I say? 
we can all agree that the Red Sox got a shit return for Mookie Betts. But keep in mind that they traded one year of Mookie plus half of Price's money, $48 million. To that point, Betts had said he was going to free agency no matter what. Then he signed an extension with LA. The extension makes it look worse. So obviously what I mean by that is more or less if everything happens exactly the same. The Red Sox trade Mookie Betts and, ha- and David Price along with half the contract to the Dodgers. You get Verdugo, you get Downs, you get Connor Wong. But then Mookie Betts still goes to free agency and then he signs with the Mets for $365 million. Are we still talking about the return for Mookie Betts the same way? No, we're not. And I know a lot of people choose to uh, remember history the way that it best fits their narrative. But the entire time that Mookie was here, he was dead set on going to free agency. Dead set on it. If you were going to bring back Mookie Betts to a long-term contract, you were going to have to be one of the suitors just like everybody else. He, He would not, like, was not interested in signing an extension with the Red Sox wanted to go to free agency, kept talking about free agency. This, to my, correct me if I'm wrong, Tyler. This was not like private rumors. Like he said this, right? Publicly? He, pu- yes, he publicly came out and said it meant something to him for the MLBPA, for him to go to free agency and hit those contract marks for all those guys. It had a special meaning to him and he stated it multiple times. He had no problem admitting it. It mm-hmm. all obviously changed. You go to the Dodgers and the whole world is ending around us. The conversation changes very quickly. So that's that's kind of part of the conversation that doesn't get brought up enough is head Mookie Betts stuck to his word and said, I want to go to free agency, so I'm doing it. I'll still take a call from Andrew Friedman. No problem. No problem. Happy to talk to the Dodgers. This place is great. I loved my time here. That's fine. But because the Red Sox traded Mookie Betts to the Dodgers and he'll spend the next However, 14, 15 years of his career there, that's why it looks the return looks worse. Because in 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 our warped minds, it's we traded the rest of Mookie Betts' career to the Dodgers in exchange for Verdugo and Downs and and Wong. And that's just not really the case. And yeah, but to be fair, like that's been twisted. The the intent to go to free agency has been twisted by some people as Mookie Betts hated Boston and was never going to stay. Like, that that has become the narrative. And I think that people are trying to make themselves feel better and make themselves, like, justify the trade by saying, like, he was never going to stay here anyway. And that's not true. Uh, I think and then you connect it. Yeah, and then you connect it with the Jim Rice stuff, right? Saying, well, Mookie did want to be here. I think he just looked at it. He was like, you know, I like Boston. It doesn't have to be Boston. It's just who is going to pay the bill? Who is going to give me the bag that I'm looking for here? Yeah, it was. There's a difference between saying I hate Boston and saying I'm not going to take a hometown discount. And and I think where the Red Sox were, don't get me wrong, they didn't want to meet the middle of that contract. I do believe that. But I think they also looked and said, we can't risk letting Mookie Betts go when we have gone so far over the luxury tax. Our farm system ranks 28th, according to Baseball America. If we let our most valuable asset leave without anything in return, you know, we might be entering a rebuild of three to five years, which they said at the time they weren't interested in going in. They wanted to get flexible 
with the hopes of getting price and these things off so that they could kind of take a step back for a year and then take a step forward really quickly. Yeah. If you're trading just Mookie bets, like if the whole uh, offloading, well, first of all, you wouldn't be trading Mookie bets anyway. If if it weren't for luxury tax purposes and, and having to offload David Price. But let's just say for the sake of argument, um, you felt like you couldn't sign Mookie. So you were going to trade him to to replenish a shitty farm system. Take the, the price contract out of it. Could you have gotten a, a Dustin May or a, or a Gavin Lux or something something juicier than than what you ended up getting? Yeah, probably. Probably. But then if you're the Dodgers, you're probably looking at it saying, mm, if we don't have the guarantee of extending Mookie Betts, do we part with, with top prospects for one year of Mookie? Because you don't know. Like you're, you're reading the same quotes that, that all the fans are hearing. I'm going to free agency. I, I want to do that. So I don't know. It, it's, but it's, didn't, the, it's, didn't, didn't they have the guarantee? Because he signed the extension immediately, correct? No. No, it was I I a couple did. months later. It was as COVID, like once we were kind of in the thick of it, what was it? Was it May or was it before that? Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, that makes more sense because I remember, I remember, I remember where I was. June 10th. Yeah, that makes more sense. July 22nd. Excuse me. Okay. Yeah, that makes way more sense. I remember where I was when, and I wasn't home from New York yet during like when Mookie Betts got traded, I was out to dinner. And left the other person with the bill. Just sprinted out of there. I already had the blog written. I wrote the, the Mookie Betts trade blog in Miami uh, when we were there for the Super Bowl. I was back in New York by the time the trade actually happened. It was at dinner. Said, fuck, I got to go. You got this. <laughs> left. And then the time of the trade, I was in, or the time of the extension, I was in Saugus. So... It had to have been a, a decent separation between those events. Okay. Misremembered. Yeah. My fault. But this is all just it's mid-December and we have nothing else to talk about. Like, does does this really matter in the grand scheme of things? No. It's just another bad look for the Red Sox organization when uh if you're to believe Chris Catillo, should I call him right now to ask about the Verdugo thing? I'm going to call him. We got to hit on that in uh, his report. He said the Red Sox are going to trade Alex Verdugo? Yes. Or that the organization was down on him and he could see him being moved. Yeah, okay. They basically thought he pulled a Benintendi. I'm going to call him right now. He's probably teaching. You fucking loser. You're a fucking loser. You're an absolute fucking bum. I will never call Chris Cotillo ever again. Ever, 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 ever. I'm deleting his number. Actually, you know what? I, I'm fucking, I'm blocking his number. I'm blocking his number. for life from Jerry Don't ever, Shop. By the way, by the way, uh, the, an anonymous, I, I, I won't say any names, an anonymous person from another Red Sox podcast texted me the other day. Oh, no, he's calling me back. He's calling me back. All right, let's see. Oh, oh, take it all back. Hello? Why the fuck did you bitch button me? I didn't. I just always have it on Do Not Disturb. What? That doesn't mean it yeah, goes away. Dude, you're a, you're a, you're a fucking reporter. Who? What report? What if this was a major scoop and this could make or break your entire career and you have me on Do Not Disturb? 
uh, I'm selective. Like starting nine and ITM, they don't have to deal with that. Did you go wow. on starting nine? Yeah. You're a... F- I hung up. <laughs> when the fuck did he go on starting nine? A couple of days ago, he... Uh, what was it? He was detailing the whole Xander Bogart slash winter meetings situation and his conversation with Bloom. What a loser. That I'm, hey, he's dead. I'm blocking. You want to go on fucking starting nine and you want to go on ITM? And still be the guy? Over- no, 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 no. He's no. pissing on your grave. No, 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 no. That's outrageous. That's he's dead to us. I'm actually going to block him on Twitter for that. What? I'm sorry, you had to find out like this. Yeah. So I, the the anonymous person from a, uh, another Red Sox podcast texted me and was like, "Does Chris Cattillo reply to all your fucking tweets?" And I was like, "You know what? This dude." replies to all my tweets because he wants the followers. He wants Red Sox fans to look under my tweets and then follow him. He's a fucking leech. He's a mooch. He's I wonder mooching. where he learned that from. He's mooching off of this fucking show and then he wants to take it to every competitor that we got. Mm-hmm. What a fucking asshole. He's basically trying to like siphon gas out of the show. Yes. He's trying to siphon gas out of you. Yep. To gas himself up. Yep. So that he can go to where he wants to go. Correct. Yeah. He he wants to he wants to milk the this audience for his own benefit. But when but when we would call him before, he would he wouldn't answer. He wouldn't answer. But he'll go on he'll go on all the fucking competing shows. And no one would even fucking know who he was if it wasn't for this fucking show. That's crazy. He's blocked. Dead to me. I will never fucking, I will never answer one of his tweets again. I will never tweet at him. I'm blocking him on Twitter. I'm blocking his cell phone number. And when I see him at Fenway, I'm shooting him in the dick with a fucking beanbag shotgun. The Short King Society officially disowns Chris Cotillo. Done. Dead to me. Dead to me. Dead to me. I don't mean to piss on uh, Cotillo's grave here, but we do have an update on a as well, don't we? This feels like the right time to share it. On what? On his replacement? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so I did. I had DM'd uh, Chad Jennings during the uh, winter meetings. And he got back to me and was like, I didn't. I, I read it in the middle of chaos at the winter meetings. So uh, here's my number. And I, I, think, I think he thought. That I want him on as just like a one-time guest when the the role that has opened up is you have to be on call for the show. Like it's it's 24-7, it's 365. And when we call you, you you gotta be ready to roll. Um, that's that's the role of the the Red Sox B reporter of the show. And I cannot believe that we ever gave that role to such a rat piece of shit like Chris Cotillo. We made that guy. If he goes to Fenway, you know how many people are coming up and pronouncing his name Catillo? People don't even know how, how his name is really pronounced. The Mexican Times. No one knows about Mass Live. They're like, yeah, Chris Catillo, Mass Live, or Mexican Times. Why is that? Because he fucking leached and mooched his way into relevancy by using this show and then tried to parlay that into fucking appearances on ITM and fucking starting nine. Which, by the way, I, I love Carl. I don't know Jake area. I don't know him. But I still love Carl. But what a fucking slap in the face to be 
our guy and then go on that show. That's fucking absolutely bananas. Especially when you're not a national guy. You're a Red Sox guy. Like the Red Sox are your, your, your bread and butter here. And you want to make enemies out of us? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Bad business decision. Brutal. Brutal business decision. Dead to me. Blocked. It's like you offered him a, it's, you offered him a, a can of gas. And he was like, no, nah, I don't need it. And then came, siphoned and stole your gas in the middle of the night, drove to a different location, was like, what do you mean? I got my own gas. I mean, it's definitely way worse. Whatever you just described, like it, it, it was way worse. Way worse. Okay, so th- he siphoned our gas and then he pissed in the tank. Yep. Way worse. <laughs> and he took a shit on the windshield. It's like... <laughs> it, it, <sighs> you look like you're going to get emotional. I just don't know what length I want to go to as my comparison. <laughs> go as far as you possibly can. It's like it's it's like uh, it's like if I were a father and I'm giving you permission to to date my daughter, and then you're like, "Thank you, sir," and then you go and fuck my wife. Oh that's, my god! That's what you. That's what he just did. So Chris Cotillo fucked your wife. Yes. Well, no. What's your wife <laughs> in this situation? <laughs> It's just, it's just, it's, it's the, uh, the, the tear of betrayal, the audacity, the audacity to do that. Jerry Cuck Rabbis. I mean, I, I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That is an important element of that. hundred percent. So yeah, I, I wish him the worst. Uh, I will not take the high road. Um, he can go fuck himself. He can absolutely go fuck himself forever. I just, I I don't understand a week ago, like I was speaking to him on Twitter and he told me like he was going to start answering the phone that this wasn't going to be a thing anymore. Yeah. He's apparently he's answering the phone from everybody. Whoever calls. It's just a problem with us. I'll never. Father John Misty once said, what's the point of being everybody's girl? I don't know. (laughs) That is a bar. (laughs) Speaking of bars, head on down to your local bar and order a Blue Moon for me. Pour one out for Chris Cotillo. He's dead. Dead. Pour out your Blue Moon for Chris Cotillo. Dead to me. Dead to the podcast. Should be dead to you. I mean, I don't know. It's up to you guys. Uh, Baseball season's over, and so is Chris Cotillo's career. But you can still feel that ballpark nostalgia with Blue Moon. In fact, Blue Moon was born in a ballpark where I'm going to see Chris Cotillo next year and punch him in the face. Sandlot Brewery in Denver, Colorado is actually where, where Blue Moon was born. Blue Moon's one-of-a-kind beer experience. It isn't just for baseball season. It's also perfect for the holiday season. I hope Chris Cotillo has the worst holiday he's ever had in his entire life. It's bold flavor, bright explosion of color, iconic orange slice ritual, and authentic ballpark roots will make your holidays feel unique and flavorful. Pete, you going to have some blue moons for the holiday? Absolutely. How many we talk? I, I want to stay on the nice list. Yeah. So I'll keep it responsible. Okay. That's, that's a great answer. Um, just sidebar here. I invited Pete to live in my house. He said no. Uh, I, I wasn't even going to charge him money. He said no. Plenty of blue moons at my house. He said no. From its refreshing flavor. I'm just getting betrayed by every fucking friend that I have. <laughs> 
From its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander, Blue Moon Belgian-style wheat ale is a -a one-of-a-kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full-flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something that's one-of-a-kind? Best served with a signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful hazy color. A beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon. I get it. Get it? But you can enjoy it all holiday season long. Enter for a chance to win an exclusive Blue Moon paper shoot camera to immortalize those unforgettable holiday moments. Make your holidays brighter than ever with Blue Moon. Get Blue Moon delivered and enter to win an exclusive paper shoot camera at get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared. That is get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared. Blue Moon made brighter. Celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Moon (laughs) Brewing Company Golden Colorado Ale. I'm so flustered because of all the betrayal in my life. No purchase necessary. Open to legal residents of 50 USDC. 21 plus only. Begins November 1st, 2022 and ends December 31st, 2022. That's my move-in date to the new house. Includes four entry periods. For rules, visit bluemoonholiday.com. Void where prohibited. Message and data rates may apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Um. Yeah. Uh, so, go ahead, Tyler. Uh, I don't mean to drag out this Catillo thing any longer, but immediately sure. after hanging up the phone with you, he yep. took a picture of the ice cream machine at Fenway with a sad face, unplugged for the long cold winter. Some fan asked, "Hey, plug that shit in and get me the Dansby contract details." He said, "Don't cover the Braves. Sorry." This is what he's doing when he gets off the phone. He's sitting by the ice cream machine and choosing not to work. I just, I fucking hate him. I hate him. I can't believe that he would do this. Actually, no, I can because he's a piece of shit. He's a little clout chasing piece of shit. And that's why hopefully it works out with Chad Jennings. We love Chad Jennings. Big Chad Jennings podcast. Whether he whether he accepts the role or not, he's still my favorite. And you know what? I think I can prove that. I think I I think I've actually tweeted that out before. That I love Chad Jennings. So this isn't just me saying, "Oh, I would love to have Chad Jennings come on the podcast." I'm going to look it up right now. I it was probably a couple of years back, maybe 2019, maybe 2020. I've tagged him so many times. Oh, here it is. Uh, November 19th, 2020. I have a take. Chad Jennings is the most underrated Red Sox writer in this market. He's very, very good. And more fans should be checking out his stuff. I don't know why we ever had Catillo on this fucking show. I've never said a positive thing about his work ever. I don't... I don't... I don't know where that came from. So he's out. He's dead. Uh, Chad Jennings, he's the next guy. Hopefully, if he so chooses. Is that a dog, Pete? 
There is. Shut up! <laughs> wow. Behave. Yeah, it works. Dude, why, why are you so angry, dude? No, it's just the way that you got to... It's effective, clearly. Yeah. Bullying yeah. works. It definitely works. Um, but yeah, the uh, Masataka Yoshida press conference was today. I don't know that there was much that that came out of that outside of uh his interpreter is ass fire him fire him today scott (laughs) boris was ready to smack this dude speaking of scott boris Mm -hmm. does that guy just like hole up in his evil lair for like 10 months a year and just think of weird one-liners that he can spew in like the two months of baseball offseason dude he was dropping like these weird zoom lines today like all of this shit is written He's been doing that all offseason. The winter meetings. He thinks that he's like a fucking like stand-up comedian now. Dude, he has the timing and everything. Like he'll say these things and like wait for the whole like media circle to kind of a lot like laugh at him and give him his credit. Uh, I it's will say weird. I-, I hated his Xander Bogarts line, the so-so line, but dude, that had layers to it. Uh, I can't even hate on it. It had layers. Do you think he has like a ghostwriter? Oh yes, there's no way in hell. There's no way. He's in hell he like he just has like a like a a nerdy kid like chained up in his basement, just scribbling on like notepads, like one liners about baseball players that he can use to make himself seem like a little bit more likable. I don't want that. I want Scott Boris to, like lean into being an evil piece of shit. I, I mm. think that is Scott Boris though. He wants to do it in that. It's like the the smoothness to it. You know what I mean? Like he feels like he's kind of he's a level above. It's like a little Joker esque, in my opinion. Like, it is. You're you're not wrong. The jo- like could, it, the Joker isn't going to just come out and punch you in the face. There's going to be kind of an elaborate little. You know, he's going to play with your mind a little bit, make you laugh, maybe make you smile even, and then he's going to kick you straight in the dick and make you want to cry. All right, you might have just sold me on this. That's a that was a pretty good sell. Hire me, Scott. <laughs> Are you okay? Nah, yeah, no, I'm good. That you didn't look good. It looked like you just read something in it. No, I'm it, just, I'm just, I'm just looking at this fucking clip on on Star United Chris Castillo. Oh, is, no. is all. Just, I just want to see it for myself before before I made uh, <clears throat> the decision. D- did so. you like the part where it's like all his face is like the entire? Yeah, he looks like a fucking idiot. Picture. Oh, yeah, his head looks like Mr. Potato. Oh, <laughs> Jake's takes. I just feel like even we were talking about the Chad Jennings before we got on the air, but the way that he's the seriousness and the level of respect that he has, even the way he answered your question already is just blowing Katillo out of the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, he, Chad Jennings is a respect guy. He's honorable. He's a lot of care. He's a in, father. Yeah. In this he's a father. Relationship. No one will ever have sex with Chris Cotillo. Ever, 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 ever. Does he have game? Is Cotillo out no. here shooting a shot at people? Nope. 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 <clears throat> Even if he did, game only gets you halfway. You got you to gotta show some respect. 
And you have to you have to nurture and care for a relationship. It's a lot like a plant. You need to you need to water it. You need to give it sunlight. Catillo just completely ne- neglected us. He pissed and in then, our plant, and then pissed in the pot. Yep, and then expected the 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 plant to keep growing. Guess what? That's not how it works. Not how it the works. plant dies, and then you have to throw it out. Yeah, we're dead. No, he's dead. Oh, he's dead. He pissed yeah. on us, though. It's your analogy. Yeah, I'm not sure this analogy works. He pissed in the pot, but he died, and just go with it, Pete. Just go with okay. it. He pissed on us, and now he's dead. <laughs> Finish it. Okay. Do you get it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so, Yoshida. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're all, we're almost an hour into this podcast and no one here has congratulated me on winning the fucking Red Sox Twitter thing personality tournament. Thank you. Thank you. Hold I'm going to hit the clap on my board. He also didn't. Uh, Shut up, Pete. Shut up. Woo! <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. What was Getting the uh, wins? What was the final uh, marking? It was you versus stats, right? Correct. And I used the video of Shawn Michaels versus. Uh, <clears throat> Ric Flair at WrestleMania, where before he kicks him in the face to get the one, two, three, he says, I'm sorry. I love you. And then he kicks him in the face and pins him. That's how I felt. It was a, it was about respect, me versus stats. Um, I think it was just, there was no, there was no correct answer. Stats is great. <clears throat> um, still want to do that idea that I had of, uh, of, People DMing or emailing questions and then stats answers them, but we just change his responses to like a robot's voice. Yep. I would it, still do that. What the fuck did Tyler just do? What did you just do? Oh, nope, God. can't hear you. Jesus Christ, man. Nope. I don't know what you did. Figure it out. Figure it out. Don't pout. Figure it out. That's that's the that's the new motto of the show. That's a bar. <laughs> yeah. Don't pout. Figure it out. Oh. It doesn't seem like you're trying to figure it out, Tyler. You're speaking into the mic that is clearly <laughs> not working, and we are talking about you figuring it out. It's yeah. Just- I think you're gonna have to like X out and come back because it was like uh, he's pouting. Don't pout. Figure it out. You're pouting. He's literally doing the exact opposite of every you're part still of that pouting. equation. He's, and he's not figuring it oh out. Oh my god, dude! Just get it together. Hundred percent pouting, zero percent figuring it out. Pouting. Thank you. Holy shit! Oh my god. Maybe Pete. You know what? Maybe I am a little negative. Don't ever compare me to Dan Shaughnessy because he's he's negative because he's old and fucking miserable. I, I'm negative because I want the Red Sox to win. I'm negative because people that I, I try to do favors for betray me. The, I think my, my negativity is pretty justified. I try to elevate people around me. I try to do nice things for people. And what do I do? I get, I get pissed on. I get pissed on, Pete. 
piss. Is Tyler trying to fucking talk right now? Are you trying to Tyler, fucking you figure talk? it out or no? <sighs> Outrageous. Outrageous. <clears throat> and I even said, I, <laughs> I love how you've, if you rewind to the beginning of the podcast, I was like, this is going to be a very positive show. <laughs> be very positive. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. 100% figuring it out. 0% power. Well, Good job, dude. Good job, Tyler. Yeah. What what did you do? What happened? Oh my god. The audience can't get enough. They can't get enough of Tyler fixing it. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, congratulations on winning the that that fun contest. But also, congratulations on buying a house. It's like it's sort of oh, like shut that. Up. Shut there up. you go. Shut up. Yeah, let me get the applause for the house. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Oh, no. Tyler's, Tyler's gone again. Okay, he's back. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Um, nope, he's not. He's not. What out, do you but- keep touching <laughs> that makes your fucking audio cut out? Stop pouting. <laughs> oh, man. I just, I just thing, want the, the Red Sox like a, to win. That's it. The house thing was like it, when you know somebody who like just keeps mentioning that it's like their birthday. Uh-huh. And they're like baiting somebody into wishing them a happy birthday. Uh-huh. You just mentioned that like you would bought a house like four times. When? I did say that. When the fuck did I say that? You mentioned that you, mentioned that you invited me in to, to live in your house that you just bought. Then you also mentioned that you have a move-in date on your new house. Yeah, yeah. That's then, the fucking move-in date. <laughs> you bought a house, Jared? I bought a house. How did you not talk <laughs> Thank about you. this? Thank <laughs> you. Thank you, guys. Come on. Stop. Stop. Stop it. Stop it. Thank you. Thank you. I know. Thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't call me an eye guy when I win the fucking Red Sox Twitter personality. Shout out to Ed, by the way. Uh, great follow on Twitter. What is it? EdHand81? Uh, is it just eight? Eight? I'll tell you right now. It's the least you can do after fucking up the last 20 minutes of this show. Ed Hand 89. Ed, and you know what, Jared? 89. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. You what? Go fuck yourself. You heard me. You're you unplugged your here. microphone seven times. Twice. Twice, Jared. Twice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know this has been mm-hmm. a bad week for me. You're sitting here just showboating that you beat stats in the finals. When stats I'm not showboating. No, no, you are. When stats knocked me out and you don't even give a fuck. Not even, hey. I don't. Hey, I don't. Go fuck you, yourself. I, that would have saved you from a fucking absolute mauling in the finals. That's fine. It would have been 98 to 2. That's fine. But I, I had a little bit of a nice run. <laughs> and I, I think, you hey, know, not no from one, a selfish No one's saying that you, t- you had a great run. You no had one said run. anything. And that's my problem. I just run. want someone to say it. Play the sound. Good job. <clears throat> good yeah. job. Yeah. You did Clap. a good job. Pete, were you job. in? Were you in this? Were you in this, Pete? I was not. I was not. I guess because you're just multi-sport. I guess I don't know. <sighs> I, yeah, I mean, I would never expect to be to be involved in that. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, the second that I won, the second that I won, I made it about the team. I said, Jake, mm-hmm. I want this video made, and I want I want all the homies in there. And we won this together. We won this as a team. Um. 
acceptance speech was about the team. wasn't about me. It was about you guys. And, um, you know, I feel like that, you know, no, no one wanted to point that out, how I took a moment that was supposed to be made for me and it was, I made it about you guys. So come on, stop enough, 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 enough. You guys are honestly the most supportive fans in the, in the podcast face. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. All right. Thank you. Um, but that's really it. That's really it. Uh, I, I wanted, I truly, truly wanted this to be a positive podcast. I did. But you have to remember, I live by myself. I don't have any friends. I don't like to talk to people. So I have all this negative energy built up and nowhere for it to go. Plus, uh, we asked positive Paul if, if he was going to be able to make it on this episode. And he said no. So I, I knew right off the bat, that despite how positive I truly wanted to be on this episode, if there's no positive Paul in the mix, there, then there's no guarantee that that was ever going to happen. Tyler, I swear to fucking God, dude. What the fuck are you doing? What did you do? What did you do? What did you do? Jesus Christ. What is, it, what is this guy's deal? How does your video keep... Do you not pay your internet? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Jake, what is this guy's fucking deal? It's just his immediate reaction is to pout every single time. <laughs> yeah. And, and attempt to speak in the mic that he knows is not working. Not working. Not working. It's going to be funny for the listener because I would imagine that even though we can't hear him, his, his like remote recorder is probably picking up his sound. So if you're watching this on YouTube or if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes, uh, you can probably still hear Tyler, but we can't. Yeah, can Tyler? You, if you Tyler, if Hello? you look at like your, yeah. your recording, is it come? Is it still registering? Uh, oh yeah, I, I started crying. <laughs> it was a bad look. <laughs> what are you moment. touching that's making that happen? You, you're fucking Captain Clicky over there. Every single podcast, you're always doing something over there. What do you? What? And and there's never any like, hey, like I I researched this and I found this fucking thing. Like, what are you clicking on over there? Just mystery browsing. Yeah. What are you doing? I'm surfing the web. Uh, but, oh, but what, for what? He's doing his Christmas shopping. I, I'm clicking through <laughs> stat pages usually or getting things up in case we're going a certain direction. I'm predicting the next okay. path we go. Okay. All right. So you're, you're just, you're trying to see if I'm tipping pitches. That's it. Okay. Last night I watched a documentary on Yellowstone. Uh, if it, if. Yellowstone has a massive volcanic eruption, which they say probably won't happen for another 10,000 years. Uh, the entire continental United States will be covered in ash, except for the most southern point of Florida. Did you know that, Pete? Did not. And yeah. if that happens, why the fuck would we want the southern point of Florida? Just take it all. Yeah, that's, yeah I feel the same way. I don't know. <coughs> I think we would be fucked because the ash would cover like all the crops and like kill all the plants. So we would have to get all of our food resources from outside the United States and everyone would be like, wait a second, why would we give them food? Well, we can just like watch them die and then we can be the superpower in the, you know, in, in the world. Yeah, so no, I think we'd be fucked. Wait, absolutely not. No, but this isn't even that big of a deal if you think about it because like when the dinosaur thing happened and that rock came down, like, and all the ash went everywhere. Like that was the whole world that covered. This is just where we are. 
Well, we'd be dead, Tyler. That's yeah, that, sure. we don't want that. immediately. Uh, no, I think we would probably die the most slow, painful death imaginable. You're not going to be able to get like a plane in the sky to like get out of the country. Like you're just, yeah, it's going to, it's going to be a real bad time. And I think, and people would, people would turn on each other so fast, mm -hmm. so fast. Well, COVID like gave us the beginnings of that where people were like already fighting for their lives in the supermarket. Right. Yeah. Also the, the the global temperature would decrease 10 degrees, which would tell me, tell me you fucked up the microphone again, Tyler. He absolutely did. You did. What are you touching? What is loose that you keep touching? <laughs> now, now, because his microphone doesn't work, he's just throwing his hands up like he's a mascot. He can't speak. He can only communicate in erratic uh, and human movements. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very good. Very good for podcasts. Yeah. A fucking mime. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, Famously, hand gestures rank near the top of Spotify's most listened to shows <laughs> this year yeah yeah you're now uh, you're now listening to the shadow puppet podcast <laughs> hosted by tyler milligan the dulcet tones of being in a glass case of emotion <laughs> he, this i don't know where he just left anyways uh i don't know how much you guys read into this i personally don't care but people were making a big deal about the fact that xander bogarts has not posted like a goodbye thank you something to red sox fans i think no but I, I think it's it coming made yeah huh? right. he's, he's probably having it like made as we speak i mean on your instagram which, it's like a lot of those guys type that shit up but i i still think a i think it's coming and b let's just call a spade a spade here xander's probably still upset that he's not with the red sox right now like of course you're happy that you're going to a contender, you're happy you just got a ton of money, you know that you're, the entire rest of your baseball career is set in stone. Like, you're good forever. Like, this uh, is the last uh, contract that you're ever going to get. You're set. Like, Jake, there has to be some here? comfort and oh, some shit. happiness in that. What? Uh, you're, you just dropped off for a little bit, at least on my end. Really? I'm not moving again. Was that, was that just me? He did for a sec. I think it was Tyler's okay. fault. This is how I saw it. Uh, but if you're Xander, you're the, the rest of your career is set in stone. You're good. You have your money. You have your contract. You have your years. You're with a team that clearly cares a lot about winning. They're spending a fuck ton of money. This is not like they're just going for it in a short window of span. So there's plenty for Xander Bogarts to be happy about. That being said, I'm sure he's still upset about the way that the Red Sox treated him on the way out. I'm sure you're sad that you're you're leaving the place that you've you, you've only ever known this one city, this one organization. I think that that's a lot to put into words, and maybe you know, the guy that needs some time to to articulate that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think if if we get to you know spring training and and Xander still hasn't said anything, then I'd be like, oh, that's a little weird. But yeah, I I would imagine Xander is going to say something but i did see a lot of twitter chatter from people saying like what the fuck like where isn't where is xander's goodbye post well i can't even imagine caring about that like i didn't even notice mostly because is it gonna make because, you feel any because better he, mostly because he he commented on my instagram so i got my goodbye so i don't really care about anybody <laughs> else get one i i just don't understand people who like take that mentality like oh i'm happy we didn't pay him if this is the case like 
considering everything he went through and the presser told you that like there were some subtle shots there at the Red Sox, which were well deserved, well within his right. Like, I, I don't think anyone's crapping on him, but, you know, no surprise. He mentioned the 2018 team multiple times, saying a team that wants to win multiple times straightforward in negotiations like he highlighted everything that we've kind of been talking about over the last, you know, let's be real. The last calendar year ish, you know, we're going back to spring training at the very least. It's just yeah. it's tough. Cody Bellinger just put out his like, I think, yesterday. So, for the record, Xander Bogarts has not posted on Instagram since December 4th, 2021. So it's been over a year since he's posted on Instagram. That being said, he, d- he did respond to my goodbye post. So it's not like he's not. He's Wait. on Instagram. Uh, who was the last Red Sox player? This, it's probably a lie. This is probably a lie. Uh, John Heyman just tweeted that the Devers extension is the top. Actually, this terrifies me. Uh, the Devers extension is the top Red Sox priority. Xander was the Red Sox so. top priority. Xander Bogarts was the Red Sox top priority, which reminds me. I forgot about this tweet from Alex Spear. I know we're all over the place right now, but whatever. It all kind of ties together. Uh, Alex Spear tweeted an hour ago recording. What the fuck day is it? Today's what? Thursday? Yes. Thursday night at 630. About an hour ago, Alex Spear tweeted, Boris implied that he feels Sox offer for Bogarts was capped by team's excitement about Meyer. And about an hour before that, John Heyman tweeted, Red Sox appear to be seriously considering star free agent Dansby Swanson now would allow them to keep Story at second base. Swanson's in very good shape. Cubs, Dodgers, Braves, and others interested. So I basically said, <clears throat> first to the Dansby report, and I know that people are like, oh, consider the source, blah, blah, blah. He, you know, Boris, this and that. Dansby Swanson is not a Boris client. So that's why I didn't go the consider the source route there. I said, I would very much like this if the price was right. What scares me is the shortstop market is out of control. So I'm not down to give Dansby an outrageous contract just because of what Xander and Correa got. Although I don't think we have to worry about the Red Sox overpaying. And then the Spear tweet about, you know, maybe they were, they didn't, they capped themselves because of Marcelo Meyer. I said, which should tell you all you need to know about the Red Sox being interested in Dansby Swanson. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you think Meyer is the guy, then at least that's a logical reason for not being overly aggressive with Xander. But Marcelo Meyer better be the guy. Like if you See? are saying we're not paying Xander or we're not going above a certain amount because we really believe in Marcelo Meyer, that is a lot of pressure to put on the kid. But if you remember in that draft, number four pick overall, but uh, everyone was saying this is the number, the top prospect in the draft. This is the best player in this draft. So you look around, Dansby Swanson, first round. First overall, Carlos Correa, first round, first overall. A lot of the, hey, best player in the draft, shortstop guys, they've panned out. A lot of the pitchers, first round, first overall, some hit. Steven Strasburg, some don't. I'm not going to throw shade at Mark Capella. He's my boy. Uh, he's great comeback story. But first round, first overall, people expected much more than, than what ended up happening. Uh, so I'm not saying the Red Sox are wrong for not being overly aggressive on Xander or 
in the Dansby Swanson market or the Carlos Correa market, if they truly believe that Marcelo Meyer is the next big thing, he's the next Correa, the next Bogarts, fine. But you're still talking about two years down the line, best case scenario, right? Like, what, what does Sox prospects have his ETA at, Tyler? You probably know off the top yeah. of your head. The belief is like end of 2024, <clears throat> if he stays on the same path to where he's at, we'll be having that conversation. Probably similar, you know, well, yeah, let's call it September 2024. We'll be saying, is he ready for a call? Okay. So best case scenario, two years, let's call it three years. How are you going to fill that gap? Is it Trevor Story at short and then you move him back to second base on the back end of that deal? Uh, do you find a stopgap shortstop for the next couple of years? Jose Iglesias, heard he's available. And I'm not joking. Like, you know, like Jose Iglesias is not a guy that I would be bummed if the Red Sox are like, yeah, I'm going to have him come in here and, and play for a year or two. It's like, okay, then at least there's a plan. At least we know what the fuck you guys are thinking. Because right now, when you tell us that Xander Bogarts is your top priority and then you're nowhere close, and I'm not saying the Red Sox should have matched or been in the neighborhood of 11 and 280. If they were more on the on the spectrum of seven or eight years, whatever, fine. But at least... At least let us know somewhat of the inner workings. And, you know, Scott Boris could be bullshitting. Who knows? But at least that's the first time today, this happened at the Yoshida press conference that we heard, yeah, the Red Sox are really kind of all in on Marcelo Meyer. They didn't want to have Trevor Story locked up for the next six to seven years and Xander Bogarts locked up for the next eight. Then what are you going to do with Meyer? I, I think where things get weird, and I will say Alex Spear was on Keith Law's podcast uh, yesterday or two days ago, and this exact question was asked, and he said, talking to people in the organization, he did not believe it had anything to do with Marcelo Meyer, uh, how they pursued it. And then the Dansby Swanson element of all of it, it's like, okay, Dansby Swanson, like you said, for the right amount of money, maybe something in the realm of what Trevor Story got this year, and that's what the market going up, I think. You know, when Trevor Story signed his deal, he was viewed as a better player than Dansby Swanson. But if you're talking Xander Bogarts, it's like, all right, yeah, if you had paid that guy in two years, it would have made sense to move him somewhere. Scott Bohr said it himself. You know, they're already having conversations about second base or third base or whatever it may be. Dansby Swanson, if you're paying him, that bat's not profiling anywhere else. Like, let's maybe second base, but does that make much sense on this team when you have Trevor Story? Like, Xander Bogarts is a bat that can play left field third base, second base, and you'd be fine. If you're paying Dansby Swanson, it was a nice year for him. I, I think it was, what, a 111 OPS plus or whatever it was. We're also talking about a guy who was a below, below league average hitter a year ago. Great defender, amazing defender at short, 100th percentile outs above average. But most likely, I think when we look at Dansby, we're talking about a league average bat, maybe a little bit better. If I don't even know why. Like, like how, many times, how many times do we have to hear or see that the Red Sox were in on a player only to have them sign elsewhere and the Red Sox were either nowhere close or they were never in at all. Like, when will we learn our lesson? Uh, at least from the top prospect, uh, not top prospect, the, the top free agent class. Like, you know, Kenley Jansen, you got a closer, led the league in saves last year. I know, like, I want to talk about the Kenley thing in a little bit because I have some thoughts on that. But, <clears throat> um, you know, even like a, like a Chris Martin, uh, nice signings, whatever. They they make your team better, but in terms of the blow your fucking pants off type players and and those contracts that it would require to actually bring in a guy like that, I just I'm never getting my hopes up as long as 
you know, it's not even a Heim Bloom thing. I think it's it's a John Henry thing. But you just look around, read between the lines, and I'm not saying that a sale is coming. I'm not saying that I'm demanding one, but it certainly smells that way, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Doesn't it have a hint of we're going to sell the team somewhere in the next couple of years? I mean, the signs are there, like, but hasn't. I mean, it sounds like a stupid question because the group is Fenway Sports Group, but like, hasn't this team and Fenway been like the lifeblood of that group? Your Fenway what Sports happens the, the you, Fenway Sports Group. That's what <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, like so. What happens when you take that away? Like, it's this is their cash cow. You would. They're just using the cash. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but wouldn't you think that Liverpool is more of a cash cow and they just fucking sold the team? They they sold Liverpool. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that they sold Liverpool. Oh, they sold it. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, It's up for sale. Well, they're selling, right? Yeah. I thought they sold it, but if they're selling, it's the same. I mean. If the intent, I don't care if they completed it, just knowing the intent is there, I would say or I would venture to guess that Liverpool is much more profitable than owning the Red Sox. I don't I don't think so. Probably not. I mean, I'm not not a financial guy, but Liverpool is a global brand. Correct. Like the, the brand is way bigger, but I don't think that they're churning out as much money and much profit like they don't own. I don't know if they own the Liverpool stadium. Oh. Like they own the the club, they own the they own Fenway, and Fenway is what prints them money. Yeah, like that's probably the most profitable asset that they own. And I think that so it's, it's like kind it's of, like owning the the Revolution, but you don't own Gillette. Correct. Yeah, like the oh. Revolution are gonna might make you some money, but like they're paying a lot <clears throat> yeah. of the Liverpool players a ton of money. So like the reason that they're probably selling Liverpool is because they're not super profitable. Uh, I know Fenway is what helped them buy Liverpool in the first place. Probably. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Just looking at the numbers here, Liverpool has a four point four five billion dollar evaluation. This was in May. This is all from Forbes. Fenway's at three point nine or the Red Sox, I should say. Um, So, yeah, that's the difference. And with Liverpool, I believe the rumor is the reason they're trying to get out is because they don't believe it'll be better than it is right now. They think this is the peak of the value for that spot. I don't know anything about soccer or anything like that, but they think Liverpool is basically peaking. Huh. That's just like that's that. I mean, we already knew this, but they're selling Liverpool right now because it's at the peak of value. So they view all of this as just business. And at the end of the day, we all know that it's a business. But does that make anybody feel better that they're like, as soon as we can't make any more money than this, we're out. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, so I'm going to play devil's advocate here and as upset as I am about how I truly feel that, that, you know, because I I was even told I was even told in the last week because I was asking, I was poking around. I was told that John Henry is still as invested as he's ever been, which is not true, because if you were, you'd be here, you'd be around like if you were as and as invested and committed to winning as you've ever been. You would be around and I'm not even going to go down to the next level in terms of like spending. If you were as committed as ever, look at what Steve Cohen's doing. They have a $300 payroll 
with the luxury tax bringing up to a, a check of 400 fucking million. That's an owner that has never been more committed than ever to winning. Is John Henry doing yeah. that? No. But again, I'm not saying like that's reckless. If you cared that much about winning, right. all the power to you. I respect you. Godspeed. That's fucking awesome for Mets fans. But I get it when owners are like, hey, we still this is a, this is a business. We still have to turn a profit right. here. And if we spend 400 million, are we turning a profit? Probably not. But at, at what cost? So he's a good businessman. Spending recklessly is not good business. I understand <laughs> that part of it. What really bothers me is that like the reports that came out last week saying like he's as invested as he's ever been. He really still cares about this team. So why is it going through the media? Why isn't he fucking telling us himself? It is the like the, the least that that the ownership can do is present themselves and say what they want to say and like say the message that they're trying to convey personally. Yeah. That's all they have to do. And like there's like these constant complaints that like people are saying that they don't care, it's not true. Then tell us, show us that you care. It's not asking a lot. It's really not. Especially like it how it used to be. John Henry, Tom Warner, they would show up in spring training. And you know how like when everyone first reports and they sit on that bench in front of everyone and they hold court, they would at least do that. I think the bare minimum is that. Like twice a year. You show yeah, up in spring yeah. training, you sit on that fucking once bench. Once a year. Well, once I, a year. The, for, once a year would be great because it, right now it's zero times a year over the last four years. But the two times that I would love to hear from John Henry, Tom Warner, sit on the bench in spring training, talk about everything that just happened, talk about what's about to happen this year. And then the post-mortem press conference, which is held every year with whoever, whoever the fucking GM is at the time. We've had many over the past, you know, or during the John Henry era in Boston. You have the GM there. You have Sam Kennedy there. And then you have the owners there. Like you should be there for that at the very least. Make yourself available once I know I'm getting a little greedy here twice a year, those two events. And when shit happens in between and you don't want to talk about it, like, oh, the trade deadline, the Red Sox had a bad trade deadline and and they didn't get under the luxury tax. And people are like, why the fuck didn't they get under the luxury tax? Do we need to hear from John Henry immediately? No, no, that's fine. We don't have to hear from you right now. Like if you want to wait until the end of the year and then you can do a whole year addressing certain issues. Fine. Twice a year. I'll even take one. But those are the two. Twice a year. Show up. And, and, and you don't even, it's not even about taking questions. Even if you just want to sit there and show not us take questions <laughs> well, and, and say, I know you've been on a Harry Potter kick li- recently, but doesn't like John Henry have a little bit of like Voldemort feel to him where bit, it's yeah. like, where it's like he, he's like missing and, and mysterious for like four to five years. And then he reemerges. It's like a little bit creepy, a little bit unsettling. And then he disappears for another four years. Mm-hmm. And you're like. Was like that guy's like what is he like it has to take four years to gather strength yeah and find enough uh like lifeblood to make one more public appearance i'm just really sick of being told that they care by people other than them oh yes just, just, Correct. just go down the list it's like we had x saying it in the booth in his last game like oh they're storming around back here all angry and upset about how this year goes it's just sam kennedy and i think it's becoming clear by the day at the end of the year presser, he got into it a little bit saying they cared, but you could tell there was frustration there and it was kind of building and building. Wouldn't you be frustrated if you were Sam Kennedy? Ultimately, that's your job. Your job at- is to be like 
the forward-facing guy of the Red Sox ownership group. He's the president and CEO of the team. He is in the role of what Larry Lucchino had. And before, when it was the ownership group, it was, it was John, Tom, and Larry. And Larry would, would kind of be the guy that he was the one that called the Yankees the evil empire. He was, he was the mouthpiece. And now that role belongs to Sam Kennedy. But Sam, the thing about Sam, like Sam catches a lot of heat too from Red Sox fans. Because a lot of the stuff that he has to say is very PR conscious. And the Red Sox are a very PR conscious organization. Sam has to toe the line of PR. Like, this is business speak. This is PR speak. But you have to realize, Sam is from Brookline. Like, he grew up a Red Sox fan. This dude, it's yes, it's his job. It's his career. But the Red Sox, that fucking means something in here. John Henry... Tom Warner, they're not from around here. It is a business to John and Tom, and that's fine. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but it is a business to John and Tom. To Sam, Sam gives a fuck. Win or lose, he gives a fuck. And that's not to say that John doesn't care, but it's a different kind of care. They want the Red Sox to win because that's profit. That's good. good We can sell things. Yeah, Yeah, like we're going to renew season tickets. Like this is going to be great. Sam cares on a different level. Because if you take away his career, do you think Sam still cares win or loss about, about the Red Sox? Yes. Yes, he does. If he takes a job with the Celtics, does he still care the same about the Red Sox winning or losing? Yes, he does. And I know that to be true. So that's yeah, why when he should be the mouthpiece because he does care and he is local. But it's unfair to him to constantly trot him out to answer for your lack of presence. He well, just even even that, though. So even as a Sam guy, I could admit that when Sam does have to speak publicly, he doesn't speak with like that, fuck you, I'm from Boston, I care about this energy. Like he does speak in a way where it's like, well, you know, we do this and we do that and here's why and here's reasons X, Y, and Z. Like he's very, uh, again, just it's, it's, it's very PR natured in the yeah, way that- He's not Theo. If, if, if I told you that Sam was from, I don't know, Dallas, Texas, and he had the same job and he spoke the same way. You'd be like, this guy is fucking phony. Like the way that you're talking, you don't give a fuck, but he's from here. So when I, uh, I just, I know that he cares more than his job allows him to unveil. Like he has to, he has to pump the brakes on when he's publicly speaking on behalf of the Red Sox. You're the president and CEO. I just wish. And maybe, you know what? Maybe we'll, I'll ask him to come on the podcast. Maybe I'll bring this point up about how uh, it would go a long way with this fan base, especially during times like this, if Sam were allowed to inject a little truth serum of like how you really feel. If you're disappointed with the way, and I know that like it's such a weird line that you have to toe because if you voice your frustration, you're kind of condemning people that you have to walk across in the hallway. Like you can't be like, man, I'm really pissed about fucking Xander. Cause then it's like, Oh, Sam Kennedy thinks that I'm Bloom did a bad job. Like people will run wild with the headlines, but the way that Larry was in the sense that he would, you know, go off with his one liners and, and he would have some, I guess a little aggression and, and spice and, and sassiness to I was the way say, that he represented the Red Sox. Like we need that. I was going to say, there's an easy solution here. It's just like, 
one or two F-bombs once in a while. Yeah. Just throw in, throw in the F-word. Yeah. I, it comes across way less PR conscious. It comes off way more authentic. Very Boston. Very Boston. And people, and people will be like, hmm, man of the people. I, I think Heim gets a little bit of that, too. When like he was speaking with Katio, not to bring him back up. But he was dropping, like he said shit a couple times. He's like, kind of saying, like, I'm willing to put it on the line here. Like, I don't care about what my legacy is here. I'm going to do what I think is right for the Red Sox. Who said shit? Sam? No, Heim. Heim. And it's like, okay, all right. There's Heim showing a little bit of personality. When you have Sam Kennedy after the Kenley Jansen press conference giving you owner speak and saying, yeah, you know, we don't really want to look back at what happened with Bogarts. We're just going to try to move forward and make the right decisions. That's when I feel like fans continue to get upset and get mad because then it feels like you're sitting there and basically you're you're covering for the failures of ownership as we hold John Henry accountable here. I'll, I'll be honest, I was like I was kind of impressed by Heim in in like that interview just because he did seem frustrated. He was he was like, you know what? I understand that these are difficult decisions and I'm going to be made out to be the bad guy when decisions like these are made, but I'm going to stand by that. I'm going to be okay with it. Like that sort of conviction does make me feel like he has a vision, at least. I don't know if I necessarily believe that they know exactly what they're doing at this point in time, because there are a lot of conflicting messages. Like they said that Xander was their top priority and didn't really follow through on that. But the conviction to be like, I, you can make me out to be the bad guy, but I'm following the blueprint that I'm setting for myself. That makes me feel a little bit better. It's just just a tiny little bit. It's that conviction instead of Sam Kennedy. And it's like, I don't know if it's a habit or what, but it's like, I hope he he uses the word hope with all these extension talks. And it's just like when you are where the Red Sox are right now and we're sitting here saying, we hope we get Xander done. We hope Rafael Devers is going to be here. It lacks that conviction. You can only say it so many times. And now they're in a place where especially Sam Kennedy, the words don't mean anything. Like every time they talk, it's just everything they say is going to get twisted into a negative light no matter what. There's nothing of substance in their words anymore. And that's a hard spot to be when the fan base is sitting there and asking for answers because it just feels like whatever John Henry, you know, whatever is not going to get him in trouble with his bosses or walk the line they want to walk, he's going to repeat. There should be zero trust right now. Zero trust in what they say. Correct. It's been a whole lot of smoke and they're blowing smoke. And there's been a lot of damage control. There should be no trust in what they say. Correct. Correct. I don't, I don't like, again, <clears throat> I have said this a couple of times in the last week. It's only mid-December. There's still a lot of off-season left. There was a report about the Red Sox were super active in the trade market. If the Red Sox pull off this unlikely, unforeseen blockbuster trade and everyone's like, all right, fuck yeah, like this at least shows that we're going to be in contention for a winning record next year. I think a lot of people's tones will change, but we've heard that Xander was the top priority. They did not sign Xander. We're now hearing that Rafael Devers is the top priority, his extension. Right now, we don't have an extension. And if I'm Rafael Devers personally, I don't think I'm signing one. And it's not because the team sucks and because of what happened with Xander. I think it's you look at the market and you see these outrageous deals that, that top players are getting and you say, I'm a top player. Someone's going to give me an outrageous deal. Why would I take anything less to stay here? 
So uh, again, it's more just I keep hearing things and they get me excited. They get me. (laughs) (laughs) I have I have my text messages uh, on my laptop and I just got a text from a Red Sox source who just all I saw was, are you okay? (laughs) Did something happen? No, but I I, I tweeted uh, <laughs> um, I quote tweeted the John Heyman report. Devers extension is top priority, and I said if I were negative, I'd say something like the last time the Red Sox made a player their top priority, he signed with the Padres. But I'm not negative, so I'm just going to say I can't wait for the extension announcement. Immediately got a text message. Are you okay? <laughs> Anyways, um, interesting. But that's, that's where I'm at. I, I, any Red Sox fan that says, I don't trust you to Heim, to Sam Kennedy, to, I mean, we're not hearing from John and Tom, but if they did say, I mean, we did hear the, that we didn't hear it from them, but we heard the reports back in September that they had met with Xander and, and Devers and said, we're, you know, we're going to make an honest effort to keep you. And if I were to ask all of you guys, the effort to keep Xander, was it an honest effort? I was think it, it was an honest, honest effort? I, I think it was an honest effort. I think that it was severely botched. And I think that they, they miscalculated when and where the effort and the energy needed to be placed. Yeah, that effort, those meetings needed to happen in spring training. And, and as we know, you would have got the deal done reportedly, according to Alex Spear. It would have been, you know, five years, 151, the Jose Altuve extension would have been the framework. But it's like you got to October and once Sander Bogarts could see free agency, once he was already there, it was too late. It was too late for an organization that doesn't want to overextend for guys. And it's great. They, in their eyes, in the Red Sox, yeah, 6160. We're, we're giving you a good offer. That's your evaluation. That's not the rest of baseball. There's a team, AJ Preller is willing to go 280. Three or four other teams are willing to go to 200 million. Yeah, it's all relative. That's like, it. You can make a competitive offer, but if it's, if it's relative to an absurd offer that you open the door to him getting, it's not a competitive offer. You got blown out of the water. That's it. And at the end of the day, like they can set their price and the Red Sox continue to set their price. And I think we've seen for multiple years in a row, they've read the market wrong again and again and again. And you can throw whatever excuses you want out there about why they've read the market wrong or whatever it is. At the end of the day, it's the front office and ownership's job together to you know figure that market out and figure those dollars out. They haven't. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a case of like, it doesn't matter what you value something at. It's what the market values it at. And like you, you offered Jose Abreu like 15 million less than he got. And that was your number one outside, you know, the organization priority. Your numbers, you weren't close. So once again, you're misreading the market. Whatever it is, there's some misunderstanding, whether you don't want to overextend or you don't want to spend, but there's a disconnect there. And it's been a constant disconnect for some time. Even the Devers conversation, these extension talks. How many times have we looked at the offer, the Matt Olson deal or whatever it was and said, that's not the number. Like, why are you trying to start there? 
there's a they don't whatever the disconnect that's become over the years it's a constant problem they don't understand players worth at the moment yep yep so i don't know i just uh <clears throat> to go back to my tweet earlier today um, when I addressed this, the central theme of this show, which was, I got one corner of Red Sox Twitter saying, stop sucking Heim's dick, stop carrying water for the team. And then the other corner saying, you're, you're too negative. How can both be true? I don't know. But I said, um, people keep saying I'm being too negative this offseason, but it's just one bad look after another. I have no idea how we're supposed to feel. anything other than bad when good news hasn't exactly been pouring in for Red Sox fans. Like I said, there's still time, but I need something. And yeah, Kenley Jansen, it's a name. People know who Kenley Jansen is. Good, good closer. Um, I know Braves fans would disagree. No, he led the league in saves. Uh, I was, which kind of goes back to the, what I was setting up earlier about how I wanted to talk about Kenley Jansen. Everyone's like, did you watch? Did you watch any Braves games? Yeah, I watched almost every Braves game last year. Yes, there were moments where Kenley Jansen had a shit week and he blew back-to-back saves, back-to-back-to-back saves. I feel like the negative, the way that human brains are wired, we're, we're wired to remember the negative more than the positive. But when you look at the numbers, <clears throat> someone's like, oh, I, I hope you hope you like watching 92-mile-an-hour cutters. It's like, you don't need your closer to be pumping one-on-one. Like, obviously, that's a huge advantage. <laughs> if you have an arm at the back end of the bullpen that can pump triple digits and, and with a wipeout slider, that's great. We but if you can you. get outs with 92, you can get outs with 92. Fine. Sure. I look at the whip. It's sub one. You look at the strikeouts per nine. It's 13. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a pretty good reliever. You, I don't look at ERA for relievers. It takes one shit week and you've got, a, you've got an ERA over four for the whole season. The, the rest of the production could be outstanding. I'm looking at traffic, sub one whip, great. I'm looking at does he have the ability to come into a game and punch guys out if he's inheriting a situation with runners at second and third and it's a one-run game, 13 strikeouts per nine? Yeah, sign me the fuck up for that. So yeah, I, I, no, pitcher, no relief pitcher is perfect. No pitcher in general is perfect. Is he going to blow saves? Yeah. But when you look at those numbers, the whip, the strikeouts per nine, and can he block down saves? Uh, yeah, he let the league in saves. Relief pitcher of the year, twice. And I know it's a while ago now. So I don't, I don't even, I think it's kind of lame to even, for me to even throw that in there. So I retract that. Relief pitcher of the year, it's, it's good to have on the resume. Do I give a fuck about it in 2022? I do not. I, I care about what at we the did very most least. Recently. At the very least, the, the blown save numbers should come down because he will, uh, as it stands and as it projects, have a lot less save opportunities. A lot less save opportunities. Uh, but I also think that it's just, it, it comes with the territory. Closers are going to blow saves. That's, it, it, it happens. I don't understand how people want to, you know, bitch last year. And one of their main lines were, well, you pitch in Boston. It's a major market. Like you need a guy who's proven in a major market. Kenley Jansen. Like this is a guy who's done it, whether it was with the Dodgers, all those different years, went to Atlanta, look under the hood. Like you want to cite ERA or whatever it may be, even whip Jared. It's like, okay, well, let's see really what the data is. Is he getting lucky or is he just getting by? No, 
it's 80, you know, 80th percentile average exit velocity, 88th percentile hard hit percentage, 97th percentile expected ERA, 98th percentile expected batting average, like expected slugging, 93rd percentile, K percentage, 93rd percentile, like everything under the hood. What was the FIP? The FIP, I think, was 320 off the top of my head, but I got to look it up. I think it's 321. Hmm. But like everything points, no one's telling you he's going to be the best closer in baseball or anything along those lines, but he's going to be a consistent force. Yeah, it was a 321 fit last year. Fine. That, that's a good ninth inning closer. He's not going to be the best. He's by no means going to be the worst. He's just going to be a solid guy in the ninth inning that you know can close the game a very high percentage amount of the time. That's it. Mm. And for a bullpen that needs to put guys in roles, it's almost as important as him taking the ninth as it is to slot everyone down to make sure that yeah. John Schreiber and Chris Martin are in the eighth to make sure Matt Barnes isn't touching the eighth or ninth inning anymore, that he's sitting in yeah. the seventh inning that you can use to Tanner make sure Harpies. Garrett Whitlock is out there for the seventh and in the eighth wrong in the rotation, carving people up as a mid rotation starter. Tanner Houck's not forced into the ninth inning. Now you can use him in that. And you know, I keep saying he's a starter. I keep talking it. I, no one buys it. I certainly don't. Um, you know, whether you're shopping him on the trade market, which that rumor continues to get more and more buzz by the day. Uh, sure. Keep floating it. But you can use him in that bullpen, whether it's as a long guy or two or three innings. It puts everyone in a good position. Wait, shopping who? Tanner Houck. That, that rumor is oh, continuing, yeah, yeah, yeah. continuing to get a little spice to it. And um, it's been floated in a couple columns from the beat writers recently. Yeah, we're going to see a couple guys from the major league roster get dealt. I think that's where you're going to see some of these interesting trades. Alex Verdugo, you mentioned earlier, Jared. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it. Look at Yoshida. He's that profile is what they hoped Verdugo would become. It's a Benintendi sure. profile. It's a guy who yeah. is going to hopefully hit close to 300, get on base Walk at a really a good clip. Yep. Mm-hmm. And be kind of a corner guy and bat sure. left handed. Now, is yeah. he as good of a fielder as Verdugo? Probably not. But did Verdugo become the player they hoped he would? No. No. So no, are you didn't. walking into a spot where you're going to ship him out like Ben Intendi? You're not going to trade him for a collection of prospects anymore. But do you try to get you know, a piece that makes more sense for this team moving forward? Yeah. Yeah. Well, th- that was what I was going to say earlier. When the Red Sox first hired Bloom, knowing a little bit about his history, knowing he was like the, the architect behind the Chris Archer for Tyler Glasnow and Austin Meadows trade. That was the first thing that I thought of. The first thing that I thought of was the Red Sox are bringing in, and I mean this with respect, a nerd who has the ability to fleece some of these older baseball executives who don't see what he sees. I was like, this is a guy that's going to come in here and make a trade or two in the next year or so that we're going to look back on it in two to three years and be like, this guy's a fucking genius. Like He got so-and-so from that. We are now four years, four years into the Heimbloom experience. And I cannot recall a trade of that nature. I, I can recall a trade where, you know, the, the, we mentioned the Kyle Schwarber trade. Um, I, I, would, you know, I would call that a fleece personally. That I, I would consider that. But for, it's for a rental. Like I, when you're talking about trading Chris Archer for two pieces that you, you have six years of big league control on, I put that in a different category than. You know, giving up a, a a a piece of absolutely no use to you or the receiving team to get a piece like Kyle Schwarber—that's great. Um, I don't have and it. Schwarber in the same was class. proven. 
Yeah. Schwarber was proven. And, but I mean, people are like, oh, he's broken down. He's hurt. You know, he, he missed like two or three weeks and then came back and absolutely raked and was a legend in the postseason like he always is. It, it was a good trade for the Red Sox. It doesn't look good when you don't keep that player. No, they didn't and, keep the player. And, and I think that's where the blame, like Eldo Ramirez goes over there and his elbow explodes. It's like, all right, nice job. It's just Heinz gotten owned by kind of the fathers before him. Andrew Friedman, you know, took his dick and shoved it down your throat in the Mookie Betts trade. Go to Tampa, Eric Neander. Hey, you want Ronaldo Hernandez and Nick Sogard? We're going to take Jeffrey Springs and turn him into a mid-rotation starter. Like, a, a starter <laughs> yeah. that you badly need. Your, your two fathers, your dad, both of them, they said, fuck yeah. you. Like, you keep going down the list. David Stearns? Oh, here, take Alex Benellis and David Hamilton, two guys who aren't even top 30 guys in your system anymore. Another nerd that is just, you know, a generation before, kind of part of that older, uh, you know, that first era that Heim came underneath. You're getting owned by them. Like, and that's where you kind of sit there and it's like, all right, the, the, the trade history for Heim is not good right now. It, it is not. No matter no, who you are, the where player you acquisition, sit. like you can even just leave it at that without even trade the player acquisition, because now you're looking at, you know, not that we don't know what Kenley Jansen is going to do next year, but Kenley Jansen, Chris Martin, Kike Hernandez, like Heim Bloom is just going and get like, oh, Andrew Friedman liked these guys at one point. Now I'm bringing them over here. But the, the name of the game is acquiring players that Andrew Friedman likes while he still likes them. You, not, not getting Andrew Friedman cast off players, but identifying players that he likes in that moment and being like, oh, well, why don't you come to Boston? And yeah, I mean, it's just uh, like, and it's not even player acquisition. It's it's player retention. Like you can throw Mookie Betts off the table because like it was basically a foregone conclusion that Heim was going to have to trade Mookie Betts is when he took the job. But like the Xander thing, the Schwarber thing, he's not even good at keeping evaluating the players that are within here and keeping them like I compare it to the, to the Bruins, like the Bruins front office is really, really criticized for their player acquisition history and, you know, sort of the assets they've, that they've used. But like their biggest strength has been keeping the key core players here and keeping them here at like pretty good value and not letting them hit the open market. The Red Sox haven't even been able to do that. No, like the Bruins would have got the Bogarts Bogarts extension done in spring training. hundred percent last year. Yeah, exactly. And I know people want to talk about pasta or whatever. I think that's more relative to someone like Devers personally. Um, but like, but like th- gauge the temperature on how much Bruins fans are worried about exactly. Pasternak signing an extension. They're not. <laughs> They're barely worried about them, him signing an extension because the history of that group suggests they're going to find a way to keep that guy here because they know how important he is to the organization. And, and that's where mm-hmm. the Red Sox sit. And kind of, Jared, like you said, picking up the leftovers, it's like, keep going down the list. Hunter Renfro, Tampa. Yeah. Michael Walker. Yeah. He was in Tampa the year before. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you kind of, Garrett Whitlock, props, like major hit, major hit. John Schreiber, major hit. Need more than that. The other thing now that I'm thinking too, like on Pete's point about player retention, the Dodgers, like think about all the players that they've lost in the last few years. They've lost a fuck ton of names and have found a way to keep the ball rolling. Like they have lost Seager, now Bellinger, uh, Max Scherzer, uh, 
uh, Turner's probably gone. A lot of championship pieces on that team have moved on, and the Dodgers just continued to be the model, the the gold standard blueprint for how to run a major league organization, winning 111 games last year. Uh, they just they find a way, and I think when when we talk about player retention with the Red Sox. It's like, yeah, they, you know, they've moved on from almost the entire 2018 World Series championship team, but there are some pieces that maybe, you know, could have helped in the future, like a Mookie Betts, like a Xander Bogarts. Knowing, and, and I, you know, love Chris Sale. Thanks for everything, but this is more of a Dave Dombrowski thing. I don't want to say knowing when to move on from Chris Sale. But did you have to be as aggressive as you were in extending the guy? Because if you go back to uh, the the video of me and Drellick at the winter meetings in Vegas, that was December of 2018. When was the Chris Sale extension? Spring training 2019. Okay. So at that time, we're talking about two months maybe before the extension. That there was all this talk about the shoulder, the elbow, like he's falling apart. Look at the medical records, this and that. It wasn't a secret that maybe there was something going on, especially because of, of how the postseason went with Chris Sale, where maybe you should have been a little bit more cautious. Maybe you should have let that... Like They should have let the Chris Sale situation play out, and then they were super aggressive and got an extension done. With Xander Bogarts, they did the exact opposite. And people were like, what the fuck? Are, what are we doing here? And... I'm not going to open up a whole nother discussion about the Moogie Betts situation, but I feel like, and Coley explains this almost better than anyone. There was a way to keep Mookie Betts here while also offloading enough salary to get under the luxury tax threshold so that you weren't facing a massive penalty and, and keep the ball rolling. Like that's, that's the, the real key to what the Dodgers have been doing is yes, they've had a, uh, major success in the free agency department, in the trade department, in, in the draft department, in the development department, across the board. Check, 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 check. But once you hit on some of these guys, once you draft and develop and bring up a Cody Bellinger, knowing when to move on. Like this dude yeah, won an no MVP four years ago. And they're like, thank you, but no thank you. So, yeah. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. I don't I like I I don't again, don't I don't know how to feel any other way, but not like doom and gloom, not like depressed, not like oh what is this fucking stuff, but it just kind of hopeless a little bit, confused, lost. Like that's how I feel as a Red Sox fan because I don't know what comes next. Next week could could come around and the Red Sox announce uh, an extension for Rafael Devers and then a, a major trade comes around. It's like, oh, we just acquired Christian Yelich and fucking Willie Adamas or Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff. Like that could be around the corner and then the entire offseason changes. Then it's like, okay, like this is, I'm not saying World Series are bust. I'm not saying that this is a playoff team, but we at least have some sort of sign that we're trying to win a, a, a baseball games next year. Because right now I don't feel that way. Like right now, like you, yeah, you don't based on history and context clues, there's little reason to be optimistic right now. Like there's zero there's little reason to trust the direction. 
I guess, and I kind of just thought of this right now. Why would you sign a closer if you weren't planning on like contending next year? It's a two-year deal. If you weren't planning on contending, why do you need a closer? Like you could have just rolled out the same slapdick group as last year and been like, yeah, no, we haven't had a closer in four or five years. So what, what do we need a closer now for? I don't. I feel like you don't sign a closer, or get that piece in place early, unless you're planning on contending next year. So I guess I'm back to let Heim cook. Is that where I just talk myself into? Does that make you, sense? Did I just you, did I just make a point that that it makes a lot of sense? You have to like that's like you said. You signed Kenley Jansen. You signed Chris Martin. These guys aren't young. They're bullpen guys, kind of towards the end of their career that you signed on multi-year deals. There's no excuse. And my my one question would be: All right, we're gonna let Heim cook. Well, hey, he better also cook still on the free agent market because you don't have enough prospects. You know, we'd spent this time and you've built up a good farm system, not a great farm system, like borderline top 10. You can't cover all these holes, but just by trading guys, you need a right fielder still, most likely, you know, especially if you move off for Dugo, you need at least one starting pitcher. You need a DH. You need a shortstop. Like you got to do a little bit of both here. Yeah, I mean, I'm still definitely on like the let Heim cook train, but and there's like a lot of time left for him to cook and money to spend. It's just it's just doubting that it's going to taste good. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a good way to let, put it. Let Heim cook this fucking tuna casserole, baby. Get it in are the you, oven. Are you going to get the 2021 version where you spread the money out and you're able to build a team that overperforms? Or are you going to get the 2022 version that's rushed, kind of thrown together and hoping for the best? Hmm. That's what it is. Like You can hit on 2021. You can hit on 2013. But is it likely you hit on those years? No, Mm -hmm. because it takes almost everything going right for you. It feels Mm -hmm. like when you look at the Red Sox, even if they do all these moves right now, it's still going to take almost everything going right. For them to be where they want to be at the end of the year. Yeah. And you want more certainty after a year like you just had. That was the whole point of 2021. Like we were supposed to be past that. You were supposed to be spending over the luxury tax these two years. Pushing in championship pushes. Instead we're like let's just get back to being competitive and trying to get a wild card again. We're not even thinking about winning the division right now. When you're the Red Sox you don't really have the luxury of compounding these like well we tried years. Because you're the fucking Red Sox. You've you can have one one of those every once in a while, but the vision has to start coming into picture and you cannot compound tough year after tough year by trying to do both the last two years, which Haim has not done great, in my opinion, of trying to compete and build your farm system. You've landed closer to mediocre than to where you need to be on either front. You don't have an elite of an elite farm system and your major league team currently is below average. This, no man's land. This thought just just entered my mind as you guys were talking. Uh, I think part of my that uneasy feeling that I feel right now. There's been enough chatter, really, about the Red Sox potentially selling the team because of the money that they're not spending, the moves that they're not making. Where I feel like it it would probably help for them to address that. Like if John Henry just came out and said, we're not selling the team, like we're like if you heard it from him, we're not selling the team. We're committed to winning. We're as committed as we've ever been, whatever, whatever, like PR bullshit you want to put after that. But just some sort of confirmation. It's, it's like 
you just want your dad to tell you that that he loves you. That's it. It's like just tell me that you love me. Because like, right now us. I feel like you're just you're you got one foot out the door and you're gonna leave us. Like that's that's what it feels like. That's and you, it's like your dad keeps keeps promising on taking you on a nice trip or like buying you a nice little gift. Yeah. Keeps coming home with nothing. Yeah. If keeps you're good, I'll take nothing. you to McDonald's. We'll get you a happy meal with the toy. And then he never takes me to McDonald's. I get no chicken nuggets. I get no toy. But I've been a good boy. Like I've been a good boy. I'm getting I'm getting B pluses, which is pretty good. Not great, but it's like it's pretty good. And my report card, all my teachers have glowing things to say about me. You keep telling me that you're going to take me to McDonald's for chicken nuggets and, and get one of the Pokemon toys, but you just never do. And I just want you to tell me that you love me. And, and right now, I don't feel like John Henry's doing that. It would, I feel like it would go a long way to be like, listen, we hear some of the chatter. We're not selling the fucking team. Like, we're here. We're trying to win. Blah, 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 blah. Even if meanwhile. It, yeah. Meanwhile. It's like, yeah, you're trying meanwhile, to fire. Meanwhile. He's, uh, he's having babies with, with the, uh, the a woman across town. He's buying the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's spending his time, his energy, with his other family. Mm-hmm. He's and got a, he's got a secret family. He's Bartolo Colon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Except it's not a secret. Everybody knows it. Everyone knows they it. know they know that that even though you've been a good boy, mm-hmm. Dad is not paying much attention to you. No, and. Dad doesn't love you like he used to. And, and he's ta- he's taking my half brother to fucking McDonald's. And you're kind of being humiliated in front of the whole town. Mm-hmm. Damn. Shiny new toys for his other family across the street. Uh-huh. And we're still sitting out here and on the worst, sidewalk. And worst, worst of all, he invited the family over for the holidays. That's true. The Pittsburgh Penguins are coming to Fenway. Yeah. He yeah, invited are. that second family, the shiny new toys, right on over to your house. Yeah, he did. And you have to play nice. I don't want to. I don't want to play nice. I've played nice long enough. I just, I just want some sort of acknowledgement, some sort of reward for my good behavior. And the only thing I'm really getting here is my dad having a secret family somewhere else. And, and my half-brother gets to go to McDonald's. He gets those chicken nuggets. He gets those Pokemon toys. And I get nothing. I get, I get, I get Chris Martin. <laughs> if the Penguins beat the shit out of the Bruins in the more classic, I might actually kill somebody. Mm. I may actually light Fenway on fire. That would be bad. That would be bad. That's no disrespect to Chris Martin. I'm sorry to Chris Martin. He's, he's, I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm sure he's a great pitcher. But I don't know. I just miss, I miss Xander. I went to the Bruins game. I went to the Bruins game the other night and all I could think about was Xander. <laughs> I, was in, I was in a suite. Watching the game, and I was front row in the suite, eating some Sal's pizza. And I was just thinking, Xander would have loved this pizza. <laughs> have you ever had the Sal's pizza at the Garden, Pete? I have not. Oh, uh, they're the big, strictly, long... strictly a chicken tenders guy. Okay, those are good I've there seen too. Before. 
Sal's Pizza at the Garden. It's like a two foot long pizza. And I mean, that's a that's a lot of pizza. So I, I think Xander would have really appreciated a piece, a piece of the pizza and some hockey. But I'm like, we're not going to get that. <sighs> right up. I had to pick up my spirit somehow. All right. Hell yeah, bro. I'm feeling okay. Feeling a little bit better now. Feeling better. What an overwhelming possible podcast. It's a good song. It's a good song. Um, uh, what's, uh, what's next week looking like? It's Christmas next week? No, Christmas Eve is a week from Saturday. So we'll have one more podcast before Christmas. So maybe maybe next week cuz we didn't do the Friendsgiving episode. Uh we didn't do the Friendsgiving episode for Thanksgiving this year. Maybe we'll do a little Christmas. We'll do a Christmas special next week. I'll invite Brock. We'll do Brock. Um I don't know. Who else who else would you want, Tyler? Think of like think of like who would be in my contacts. Who who would you want to be on the Christmas special? Should we bring Will back? Yeah, sure. Well, he did just have P. Dave on his podcast, so I think he's Ooh. suspended for the okay. rest of the year, unfortunately. Yeah. Throw him in. I think like too many people in the Red Sox podcast space don't recognize that like they can get suspended from this podcast pretty fucking quick. Is Steve suspended? C. Peralt? Yeah. No. Well, I, I asked on. him to I asked him to come on. And then he he said he asked me to come on ITM. Not neither of those things has had happened yet. I originally asked him to come on when it looked like ITM was done for good and then he brought it back. So I was like, I don't know what the rules are here. I don't know. So Maybe maybe he'd come back. I don't know. I, I think I think he could come back for a Christmas. It, the the door is always open. It it was always a, a Steve yes or no thing. It was never a me yes or no thing. Can so maybe we, I'll ask Steve. Can we get Matt Barnes? Yeah, Matt Barnes fucking loves Christmas. I was just talking to Matt Barnes yesterday. We were talking about uh uh. So I bought a new house, and I had Ooh. someone come over to. Um, take the measurements of my closet because it's a brand new house. So there's no, there's no closet there. You, they, they were like, we left it as like this blank canvas so that you could call someone to come in and like customize the closet. So I was telling him, I was like, dude, I don't know how you fucking did all this shit. Like customizing a closet is a pain in the balls. And he was like, oh, I built my own. Like he's just a, He's just a craftsman. Like he can just build shit. I'm pretty sure he built like a whole bar area downstairs in his house. And apparently he also customized and built his own closet. Like I wish I had that type of skill. Hmm. <sighs> I wish I was skilled at anything. Honestly. Yeah, I can't. Build. Yeah, me too. I can't do anything. I can't even do Zero my life skills. Laundry. 
Peter, who who would you like to have on the Christmas special? Uh, I mean, this is very easily attainable. Um, but Coley, like Coley. last week, last week was my first ever full length podcast with Coley, and. I highly enjoyed it, even though it was like under the worst of circumstances. Mm-hmm. The fact that we were able to kind of like play off each other under under those circumstances and in that context can only really go up from there. So I didn't I realize like that you guys had never done a show together. No, like completely two ships passing in the night. Mm. I would have made a bigger deal out of that if I had known that ahead of time. I- I'd been on like the the friendsgiving with him uh every once in a while and like occasionally on the phone but that was 2021 like, on right? the podcast no that was 2020 yeah. that was that was november 2020 so if you're new to the program uh the friendsgiving episode happened because steve was pissing me off and he was like we need to get a guest we need to get a guest on the show he was up my ass be like we need to get a guest blah 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 so i just fucking asked everyone and we did an episode with like 20 people on it. And it ended up being uh, the Friendsgiving episode, which is great. It was a great episode. If you go back and listen to it, uh, a lot of good people, a lot of cast of characters ended up on that episode. I, what is like the full list? I'd like to go back and, and look to see <laughs> if we can get every name. You know what we should do is we should do the Christmas special and we should invite one person. And the one person that we invite should get to invite another person and then so on and so on yeah. and so on and just see who the fuck ends up on the show. This was, uh, okay, Brock Holt, Pat Light, John Feidelberg, Pete Blackburn, uh, the fucking asshole Red Sox writer who will never name ever again was on that. I don't remember that. Very forgettable. And Hubs. Okay. Yeah, we can do better than that. The name redacted uh, Christmas special coming next week. (laughs) Um, Jake, who would you like to see on the Christmas special? Uh, I think we could get John Henry. Do you think so? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I think people would enjoy (laughs) listening to him. Yeah, that'd be great. Can you you book him or do you want me to reach out? Uh, I'll reach out. Okay. That would be an incredible response if he just listened to us <laughs> shitting all over how he won't talk to anybody and put himself out in the public sphere. And he's like, you, got, you guys want to, you guys want me? You want me? And he just shows up on the next episode of the podcast. He, he basically the Christmas did that, special. Uh, he basically did that at the sports hub and it's been a meme ever since. He showed up kicking oh, the doors right. down. Oh, that's right. He just stormed in. And, yeah. and then he got absolutely destroyed and clowned on. And then and that's probably half the reason why he doesn't want to deal with anyone anymore demanded to be put on air and they got absolutely destroyed i actually i just looked on may 12th 2020 i messaged linda pizzuti about john coming on the podcast did not respond oh did not respond sorry john's locked in his regeneration chamber for the next three years please circle back in 2026 (laughs) I still feel like if, if he was going to do like, it, let's just say he sells the Red Sox, right? If he was going to do like a tell all sit down, like let's reflect on the, the Red Sox years. What better place to do it than right here? Where else would you do it? 
if you were John Henry and you really wanted to get into the the nuts and bolts of of the Red Sox series, where else are you going to go to do that? He won't though, because he's still in the game. Like no, but if like you want to gonna, reflect on have... the Red Sox years, it's not like he's going to like burn bridges and and rat people. You know where he do it? What? You know where he do it? Nesson, the Boston Globe, which he owns. We were both on the same page there. Okay. I work for Nesson, so we can just repurpose it on the podcast. Instead of putting it in a spear column, just hand it off here. I almost did that. I might still do that. The The next episode of Like a Pro is with Mike Timlin. And I mean, they can't use the whole interview. It's like it's supposed to be a 10 to 15 minute episode. And a lot of it is the tour of the Blue Moon Brewing Company. So I probably interviewed him for, I don't know, 25 minutes maybe. And a lot of it was 2007 World Series related. I might just be like, hey, can you, can you uh, give me the whole audio from that? And then we can just put it on the pod. I will say Mike Timlin or Chris Martin gives me Mike Timlin vibes. Mike Timlin is like six foot eight. He's, he's a big dude. Just in terms of being a straight straight thrower, not a closer, good guy, seventh, eighth inning guy that you can kind of lean on. Older mm-hmm. as well upon landing here. I think there's some similarities. Do you remember Case and Gabbard? Oh my oh, God. Yes. Unfortunately. What do you mean, unfortunately? What did he do? Wasn't he garbage? I don't know. Maybe. He wasn't, he wasn't good, but. I feel like he Case made like Gabbard. two starts for the Red Sox. He actually wasn't that bad. 351 in like 25 innings in 2006, 460, eh, 373 ERA before he got dealt to the Rangers. Was he? Casey Gabbard, who, who's, uh, whose wife made like unbelievable cookies? Justin Masterson. Justin Masterson. Justin Masterson. <laughs> uh, was Case and Gabbard in the Eric Gagne trade? I think he was because he was dealt in 07. I think it was like Daniel Murphy. Case and Gabbard, right? Let me see. Oh yeah, here's a go. All right, we got the full details. All right, hold on. Uh, how many? How many names? How many names? How many we names got- went from Boston to Texas? Three. So I'm missing one. Yep. It wasn't Andy Marte. That was the. That was a Coco Chris deal. Correct. Uh. Would I know this person? Like, is this is this like a minor league person? I believe so. Yes, this is a little before my era. But let's say uh, there was another player with a similar with the same last name who came a couple of years later. It was a Wait, very good what? player. What? Wait, say that again. I'm confused now. Shared the same last name as another player that came to the Red Sox a few years later. Spent one year here, and he was really good. That that hint confused the fuck out of me. <laughs> the same last name. Yep. The same last as, name is who? Uh, if I tell you the player, you're gonna know. Hmm. Yeah, but you can't just say he has the same last name. No, well, yeah, use that, that as that a, a pathway. No, that seems like that seems like one of those. But hints there's where no it's like, I'm source. Trying, I'm trying to make it harder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a player who had one great year here. Okay. So How they traded Casey Gabbard, Daniel Murphy, and player X. For Eric Gagne. Yes. It wasn't Kyle Snyder because he was still here 
What position did this guy play? He played uh, outfield. Did he have big league innings with the Red Sox? Mm, No, he was uh, in rookie ball when he got dealt. And I'm supposed to know who the fuck this is? You're sure that I know who this is? No, I'm not telling you that. I just tried to give you a hint. Oh, did he make it to the big leagues ever? Uh, Doesn't look like it, no. Who? Oh, this is impossible. You're <laughs> never gonna get. What, oh, what's his name? Excuse me. He played twenty two or twenty two games for the Rangers in twenty thirteen. Well, impossible. What's his name? I, I want to make sure. Oh, here we go. Angel you, Beltre. No. Fuck you. Guys. Seriously? Yes, that was yeah. it. Uh, that was- I just pulled that out of my ass. Uh, Angel. Does it begin with a B? No, I b- just said an it. E. Oh. What's no, his? no, no. He, he, are you talking about the last name? Oh, yeah. The last name. Correct. I just said the full name. But Jared What's said his the name? full name, too, didn't he? No, I just said Angel his first Beltre. name. Oh. Angel Beltre. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I, I was, yeah, okay. That's fuck. All right, bye. Um, <laughs> he deserves to get kicked off for those shitty hints. Damn. I don't know. I pulled that out of my ass. But. Good to know. And that was talking the Eric Gagne trade. Daniel Murphy was actually in that uh, that uh, that game that me and Dallas played in last November. I can't believe that was already a year ago. Holy shit. Time flies. Time flies. Here we are. Speaking of time flying, uh, I did my Uber Eats order like 30 minutes ago. Yeah, I did too. we'd be done by now and it just got here just got so, here mine I'm is starving. uh mine's so, arriving okay. in like 10 minutes all right uh well, I'm thanks for st- listening I'm starting the bruins are on so jake jake who do you, you said john henry pete voted for coley and tyler you're you said will middlebrooks matt barnes okay all right matt barnes and i pick brock all right tune in next week for the name redacted christmas special uh, sorry if you don't celebrate Christmas. It's not really about Christmas. It's just about like uh, it, uh, the holiday season. If you don't celebrate Christmas, you can be happy for other people who do celebrate Christmas. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Thanks for listening. And as always, let's go Red Sox. Let's, let's go, go Red Sox. Let's, let's go, go Red Sox. Go Red Sox. Buenas noches, amigos. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.